Like I said uh, last Sunday or last week, uh, I was in uh, Fiji with Seth and just ministering at the church there in Suva in Fiji. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, Christmas is celebrated. Yeah, it doesn't matter uh, whether you are in the back blocks of nowhere, it's celebrated and it's such a cool thing. In fact, the week before I was in Fiji, it makes it sound like I'm this person that trips around everywhere. But the week before I was in Fiji, I was with Trinity at a conference in Melbourne and we managed to get a day to ourselves in Melbourne. Oh, by the way, if you don't know me, my name's Craig and I'm part of the team here. Thought I'd better get that out there. And we were in Melbourne and we went to this shop called Myers. I don't know if you've ever been to Australia, but Myers is a, a big store. And, and I've never seen my wife so excited in her life. Because Myers in Melbourne has eight massive windows. And they have like cordoned off areas where you have to line up and walk through it because they have Christmas displays in these big automated Christmas displays in these big windows. And you have to line up to look at these Christmas displays and then go through, you know, like, like it's like at the airport when you're going through lines so that you can, and she was just like so excited, taking photos. After about half an hour of looking at these windows, I managed to convince her to go inside the building only to discover that there was the biggest mistake I could have made in my life because on floor seven, was Santa land. And she saw, <gasps> that was the <gasps> Santa land. We went up to floor seven Santa land of a massive, massive building and it was just covered in Christmas everything. We were in that store for three and a half hours. And she's looking at all these Christmas decorations. She goes, oh, I'd love to buy some of these, but I'm just worried they'll get damaged in the luggage on the way home. Honey, they will get damaged. They will get destroyed on the way home in the luggage. It would be a waste of money to buy all of that. And I managed to get away with not much, but you know the crazy thing that I noticed as I walked through that Santa land and the displays and everything else and seeing all the Christmas decorations that I see everywhere, I haven't really seen the, the main decoration when it comes to Christmas, and that's the nativity scene. I don't really, we don't really see that anymore. I know Trinity has got her eyes set on a, a, a one that you buy from the Christmas heirloom shop, and, and, and they stand about this tall, and they're like $500 for Mary and $500 for Joseph, and and uh, if, if Jesus would give me the gold frankincense and myrrh that he got given at his birth, I might be able to afford to buy them for her. Um, but you just don't really see the nativity scene around so much. And to me, the nativity scene is what Christmas really comes down to. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to have a little bit of a different look at the nativity scene, maybe in a way that you have not seen it before. And, and I just want to look at three really cool things and the nativity scene, and the first one is, is the star. The star, there's always a star in a nativity scene. As you can see behind me, the big star, there's always the star, yes? The star plays a key role in the story of Jesus' birth. In fact, in Matthew 2, 9 to 10, it says, after they had heard the king, that is the wise men, they went their own way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
They were so excited when they saw the star because God had promised them that the star would show them where Christ was. How cool is that, that God commissioned a star? He created a star out of the heavenlies. The Bible says this, that when he speaks or when he breathes, that, that planets and stars are created out of his mouth, that he created the star purely for one reason and one reason only, and commissioned it for one reason and one reason only, was to lead the wise men to find Jesus. Isn't that cool that God would care so much about these wise men that he would create a star in the sky that would be the travel guide for them to come from another country and bring them exactly to the place where Mary and Joseph and Jesus was. See, without the star leading them to the exact location, they, they would have probably not found Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've seen those movies, but you know, I've calculated and it's within a hundred mile radius of where they could be. It's like that could take forever to find someone, but not God. God put the star right smack where it needed to be. The Christmas star is God's gift of direction. It's God's travel guide. And maybe we need to look at the star a little bit different this Christmas because as much as the star led the three wise men to find Jesus, I would suggest to you that you and I and our lives have been given a star, someone who shone brightly with Jesus, who became our travel guide to help us to find Jesus along the way. If I think in my life there's particular youth pastors and particular people that were really a star given to me by God that enabled me to find my way. They were a travel guide to help me to find Jesus, to help me to find Him. And every single one of us has had somebody somewhere in our lives that has been a travel guide that's helped us to find Christ. He sent somebody somewhere in all of our lives across our path who shone so brightly with God's love, with His realness, and with His faith that we were just compelled to discover more about who Jesus was. And we found ourselves trusting an earthly travel guide to lead us to Jesus. My parents were a key part of that in my life. They were my earthly travel guides to help me to find Jesus. And I'm sure that there's plenty of you as well that have that same thing. And so to me, Christmas time, when I see the nativity scene, is, is a time for me to thank God for the stars that He sent my way, for the people that He sent into my world that were the travel guides to lead me to Jesus. But it's also a time to go, I wonder whether I'm meant to be the Christmas star for somebody this season. I wonder who it is in my world that is looking for a travel guide to find Jesus. You know, Christmas time, they say people are more open to Christianity than any other time in the world. How sad would it be if we didn't shine our brightest in this incredible season? I want to I encourage you this season, as you think about those that have been your star, your travel guide, those that helped you get to find Jesus, that you would find the courage and you'd find the, the, the passion to be a star for somebody else this season. You know, if you're here this morning and you need a star, then, you know, God will always send somebody your way, somebody that will lead you to the location where you need to meet Him. The problem is sometimes that person is really close to us and we're so busy looking to the horizon trying to find this person. It's usually somebody very close to you. And I, 
I would just say that if you will look around, if you would open your eyes a little bit, I guarantee you, you'll find someone pretty close to you that can be your star, that can help to lead you through this season. That person may be God's gift to you. He may be, or she may be, God's Christmas star to you. So this season, as you see the star and as you hear people talk about it, I want you to remember those that helped you find Jesus. And I want you to then decide, I'm going to be a star for somebody this season. The second thing that we see in the nativity scene is the stable. The stable. Of all the places that Jesus could be born was in a stable, crowded with smelly animals. It was dark. It was damp. It would have been rodent infested. There would have been rats and mice and everything everywhere. It's just an all-round rotten place to give birth to a baby. You know, I was at the just in the foyer this morning, and Robert and Rolanda came in with their beautiful boy. I'm pretty sure if, if Robert said to Rolanda in the, in the birth of Elijah that, hey, shall we just go out into the garage? Shall we have the baby in the garage? She would have been like, you need to find yourself a new wife, pal. You know? Like, he was born into the stable. And what I don't understand is if he could commission a star to lead the, the three wise men, why couldn't he organize a suite at Bethlehem Hilton for Jesus. You know, what was he trying to do? I think the reason why Jesus was born in a stable is because God sent Jesus to live in the real world. God made a strategic decision not to shelter his son from the harsh realities of life. Why? Because God wanted you and I to know that he understands, that he's been there, he's done that, he knows what it's like to go through difficult times. You see, when Jesus was born, was right in the middle of Herod going around and murdering people. So not only was Jesus born in a stable, but then he became a refugee in the, in the country of Egypt so that they could escape. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus did not come and live in a palace and live in some unrealistic world that's out of context with what you're going through. Jesus came and he was born in a stable something of this world, because he wanted to show you, God wanted you to understand that Jesus gets real life. Jesus gets the tough times. Jesus gets the hard times. Jesus is real. He's not aloof, and he's not away from us, but he's there. The stable is a constant reminder that Jesus sent his son to live in the real world, not to be distant from us, but to be right there with us. Can you imagine him being born in the stable the Son of God's first experience of breath and smell was that stable. I don't know if you've ever been into a stable, but the first thing that I've noticed when I walk into a stable is that beautiful scent of animal urine. It just burns the hairs right out of your nostrils. That's what Jesus was born into. It wasn't some fluffy, lovey kind of thing. It was a real world, his first breath of air burned with the odor of animal urine, and the first noises he heard were the grunting of livestock. He was born into the real world. Not only that, he worked a real job as a builder. He lived in a neighborhood. He had friends. He suffered hardship just like us, and he died a cruel death for a crime he did not commit. Jesus was born in such a way so that you and I could know that he understands everything that you go through. 
injustices you feel, he understands. The hardships you go through, he understands. Why? Because God loves you so much that he decided he wanted his son to be born in an environment so that he could understand what you go through so that you don't feel like he doesn't care or that he doesn't know, but you can cry out to him today, tomorrow, and the next day, and he understands everything that you're going through. We can pour out our pain and our disappointments to God because Christ totally understands. He's been there. So when you see the stable this Christmas, I want you to, it to remind you, when you see the star, let it remind you of those that have led you to Christ and the responsibility that we have to do the same. But when you see the stable, I want you to remember this season that Jesus understands that he has been there and he can identify with what you're going through, no matter what it is, he understands and that he is with you. He is with you. He has not abandoned you. He is right there in the muck with you. The third thing that I see in the nativity scene, of course, is the manger. The manger. (laughs) The manger, which is basically a feed trough for cattle. And it's funny how the manger, because of Jesus, has become a symbol all over the world. Are you with me this morning? It's become a symbol all over the world. Nobody even probably would even know what a manger was. They know what a feed trough is, but people wouldn't understand what a manger was if it wasn't for the story of Jesus. But it was a feed trough. It was a trough that was normally filled with food for the cattle to eat through. It was a rough constructed piece of farm furniture, and it was ordinary in every single way. Why the manger? Why a manger? Because God specializes in taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. He took what was an ordinary manger, but he laid his son in that manger, and because his son was laid in the manger, that ordinary piece of furniture now becomes a symbol of the greatest thing that God ever did, was giving his, his son for us. He took what was an ordinary piece of furniture, he put his son in it, and now that ordinary piece of furniture becomes an extraordinary piece and part of the story of Jesus. I just think that's amazing that he took a a feed trough of cattle becomes the cradle of the king of kings. What once was a trough now becomes a cradle that carries the King of Kings. What an incredible transformation that took place from what was just a feed trough to now it holds the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an incredible transformation that takes place. The manger is a symbol of what can happen to an ordinary man or woman when Jesus Christ gets on the inside of us. It's a symbol of what can happen to thousands of people around the world ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill people, if we would just allow Jesus to come and reside in our lives, live in us, he'll bring the same kind of transformation that takes a feed trough to a cradle of the king he can do in you and I. He can take the ordinary furniture that you think you are and turn you into a symbol of Jesus' story. Every single person in this place can become a symbol of of the salvation, the redemption, and the transformation of Jesus' 
Jesus Christ. It's not just this story, but it can be your story. Because when Jesus resides, when Jesus lives on the inside of us, he takes what is ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. He takes what is a mundane life and he makes it an amazing life where you become a star that others follow to find Jesus. I want to tell you, when you see the manger this season, see the transformation power that Jesus Christ has done in your world. When he came in, I don't know what your background is. It might be alcoholism. It might be drug addiction. It may not even be any of that. But every single one of us has a story that when Jesus got on the inside, there was a transformation that what was ordinary became extraordinary because of what lay in the manger made it so incredible. And you and I, too, this Christmas season, if we would allow Jesus to come in in such a way, you, too, will see the incredible transformation that takes place in your life. And so I want you this Christmas that as you think about, or maybe as you pass the nativity scene this Christmas and you see the star, you'll know, hey, that's a symbol that God sent people my way to lead me to him. And when you see the stable, you'll understand that God understands what I'm going through. God understands the pain that I'm going through. God understands everything about my life. God is with me. And when you see the manger, you'll understand that in the middle of that pain, if I will let God reside in it, if I will let God live in the middle of that, he can take what is ordinary and he can make it extraordinary and he can do something amazing, which brings about a transformation that takes you from being what you may think is a food trough into a cradle that holds the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just think everything about what Jesus did and everything that he's ever done has just been so transformational to every single one of our lives. And I just love you just to close your eyes just for a moment. You're looking at me and you're thinking, man, are you finished already? It's Christmas season. There's there's way too much cool sun out there for us to be spending our time in here. But before we get to that, I just want you all to close your eyes just for a moment. Every single person, every single person in this place. And I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask you this morning, whether you know him as your Lord and Savior. Do you, do you know the Jesus that I've been talking about this morning, the Jesus that loves you, that sends people your way to help you, the Jesus that loves you enough that he understands every situation that you're going through, the, the Jesus that wants to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary, the Jesus that wants to reside in you and he doesn't want to judge you, he just wants to change you. He wants, he wants the best for you. He wants you to be everything that he created you to be. That's why he came. He didn't come to condemn the world or judge the world. He came to save the world, to love the world. And this morning, the first Sunday in December 2017, as we lead in to the Christmas season, I couldn't think of a better thing to do than to receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And that is the gift of salvation from Jesus. And it's a really easy thing to do. It's not hard to do. God's not asking you to do anything other than just say to him, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been walking away from you. I'm sorry for the sin of my life, but I receive the forgiveness that you've already provided for me 
and this day, I want you to come and reside. I want you to come and live on the inside of me. It's really that simple. He's not asking you to make any changes to your world. He's just asking you to invite him to be part of your world. And so if you're in this place this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you're away from him and you realize, man, I need to get back to where he is this morning. If that's you here this morning, then all I'm going to ask you to do, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. While every eye is closed, I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand and just so that I can see your hand and that I can pray for you. And I'm going to come down to where you are. I'm just going to pray for you. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning or you know you need to recommit yourself to Jesus this morning, why don't you just put up your hand and when I see it, I'll ask you to put it down. Is there anybody here this morning that wants to do that this season? Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else today? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? We're going to pray for those ones. And If you have made a commitment to Jesus this morning, then all we ask you to do is, as I said, in the seat pocket in front of you is that card. And if you just fill in that card and drop it into the drop box or drop it in the information desk, we're just going to send you a letter that just says, hey, great decision you made today. And if you're really interested in pursuing Jesus, then this is your next step. We're not going to bug you. We're not going to ring you. We're not going to text you. We just want to send you just a letter that just says, we love you. And if you really want to pursue Jesus, let us help you with this through these steps. Let's just pray for those that lifted their hands this morning. Why don't we do that together, church? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the people that lifted their hands this morning. Father, we thank you right now that you have provided forgiveness for each and every one of them, that you are for them and that you are not against them. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, let forgiveness, let that sense of forgiveness that you've already done flood through their beings right now. Let the love of God flow through them. Let the mercy and the grace of God flow through them, that they would know that as of today, they are now a child of God, that Jesus resides on the inside of them and that they're going to go from being ordinary to extraordinary because that's what God does when He transforms. Let your favor, let your blessing, let your goodness, let your mercy be upon them today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hey, there's just one other group of people I really wanted to pray for this morning and that's people here that are like, man, I want the courage to be a star, a Christmas star to somebody in my world. I want to be that person that helps to guide someone to find Jesus this Christmas. I'd really love to pray for you that you'd have the courage and the boldness and that God would give you the right words to say that you could be a star this Christmas for somebody in your world. So if you're here this morning, man, Craig, I'd really love it if you could pray that I have the courage and the boldness and that the Holy Spirit would give me the right words to say to my friends and my family that I could be a star this Christmas. And can you just put up your hand so I can just see who I'm praying for this morning? Awesome, awesome. Right, let's pray. Eh? Father, we thank you so much. Oh, for so many hands lifted, so many people are saying, hey, God, let me be a star this Christmas. Let me be someone that leads someone to Jesus this Christmas. God, I pray. God, give them courage. 
Give them a boldness. Give them the right words to say. Holy Spirit, guide them in this process. Lord, that the people's hearts will be open and their ears will be open to hear the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus this Christmas and that we would hear testimony after testimony of people coming to know you because of the stars in this place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Awesome. Hey, you can all grab a seat just for a moment. We just need to do one more thing this morning. If I can just get all the oversight and